0: Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Crime Ministers. This is a podcast where we're going to be talking about Scottish true crime cases. I'm Laura.
1: And I'm Rory and we hope you enjoy this first episode. It's a banger.
0: <laughs> okay, so today we're going to be talking about the case of Arlene Fraser. This is a 14 year case, it went unsolved for 14 years before anyone knew what even happened to us so, all. Right, let's go. So. April 28th, 1998, had 33-year-old wife and mother of two, Arlene Fraser, go missing in Elgin, Scotland. The kids, Jamie and Natalie, aged 10 and 5 respectively, arrived home from school that day to find an empty house with an open door.
1: I think the kids did it.
0: That's, that's a very bold claim, first of all. 10 and 5, but let's go for it. Uh, this had never happened before. Like Their mother was always there, picked them up from school every day, never mind not even being home. Arlene's husband, Nat Fraser, was contacted immediately as he was staying elsewhere and had to come and collect the children. A missing person's case was launched almost immediately due to Arlene's personality and routine. She was always there when her kids arrived home, if she hadn't collected them from school. Abduction and murder were both instantly feared, as it was extremely out of character for Arlene to disappear without telling anyone where she was going to be. Mm. (laughs)
1: Mmm. Abduction.
0: Is that what you're thinking so far? I think the
1: kids did it. I think they stabbed her and hit her in the toilet or something in the, in the garden
0: <laughs> our sister carol gillies and her father hector were contacted quickly after her disappearance both of them feared the worst almost instantly our father hector has since then told interviews they felt like his daughter was dead within the very first like day of her being missing like he he found out she was gone and instantly thought she was dead
1: that's a bit sus mm-hmm. i don't know I, I feel like if you're someone's dad you should be like i mean like didn't madeline mccann's parents just believe she was alive like 140 years later so I, you know I think <laughs> if it's your daughter and it's like what the day after
0: well he just said he got a really bad feeling about it
1: uh, I think the dad's in this, the suspect list now
0: <laughs> okay and all the way in Glasgow when this is in Elgin
1: I don't know that's <laughs> of <about> a <laughs> weird thing to say though
0: police immediately suspected that Arlene had either been taken or murdered that day Left in the house was daily medication that Arlene took, as well as a collection of contact lenses that she needed. It was noted that, we're, that there were small piles of folded clothes in the bathroom and a vacuum was plugged into the wall, suggesting that she may have been doing housework. People around Arlene also stated that she was planning on going back to college soon and getting her life back on track, so why would she be doing all this and still run away?
1: A vacuum plugged into the wall.
0: Yeah, she's clearly the Vacuum killer.
1: Room. The vacuum cleaner killer.
0: <laughs> so if you were, like, going to run away... Or, like, just leave your family behind. Why would you be hoovering the carpet before you did that? To make it look less sus. Possibly, possibly. That's kind of smart. Just Mm -hmm. make
1: it look like you were supposed to be doing something and run away.
0: (laughs) A lead was suggested rather quickly. Arlene had been attacked just a few weeks earlier in the street, and it was thought that it could possibly be the same attacker that had attacked Arlene that day that had now taken her.
1: She got attacked in the street? Yeah, like,
0: someone came up to her and just attacked her in the street. But luckily she got away, and she didn't know who it was. Right... Arlene had a set routine throughout the week and the only day she was alone for longer periods of time was a Tuesday because her kids were at school and she didn't have any meetings with anyone whereas other days she'd like meet up with her family and friends. Police theorised that someone had been watching stalking Arlene to gather this information and find the perfect time to attack her when she'd be alone. There was very little evidence to go off at the start. There was a serious lack of a crime scene. There was no sign of forced entry, no sign of a struggle, no CCTV and even no forensic evidence. So there's no fingerprints or like footprints or anything like that. 24 hours ended up going by in this, ca- in this case extremely quickly, with no leads to really go off at, the, at this point other than the unknown person that attacked Arlene just five weeks prior. Police asked those in the surrounding area to keep an eye out for anything suspicious as they were the most crucial hours of the case at this point. The police tried to build cases on those around Arlene like as quickly as possible, such as her friends, and try and figure out what kind of life she led. The first and most prominent person they interviewed was her husband, Nat Fraser. Nat used to be a local policeman and now delivered fruit and veg across Elgin. This business was very successful and allowed him to connect with the people in Elgin. He was considered to be very popular in town and everyone liked him. What's so funny?
1: He's called Nat.
0: Yeah, his name's Nat.
1: <laughs> I don't know why, that just doesn't sound very intimidating. Mm. It doesn't sound, I I don't know, he is a bit suspicious though. You think? He's th- She's in the fruit and veg fan, maybe.
0: Maybe. (laughs) However, not always as happy as it appeared to be with them. Nat and Arlene were actually living apart at this time. A few months prior, Nat had actually assaulted Arlene. He choked her and threatened her to the point that he was standing trial for attempted murder. Arlene wanted a divorce because of this attack against her, and he really just didn't want this at all. He had a long history of questionable questionable behaviour, including multiple assaults against Arlene and allegedly some of his past girlfriends.
1: Uh i'm not gonna lie i don't know it seems a little bit um questionable this guy you know he's been assaulting people in the past but then he would be too easy wouldn't he yeah you know it's, it's not a very it's, hard case to it's solve really it's commonly a, thought
0: of that the partner's done it so i think that would be quite an just obvious just the abusive thing. husband yeah Maybe.
1: she's not had a good time though she just got assaulted in the street randomly yeah. or attacked yeah and her husband was doing this to her yeah
0: Nat loved to be in charge. He was described as being the boss and master in his daily life and police used this to build up an image of Nat and Arlene being in a loveless and unhappy marriage. There was strong evidence found of Nat being controlling and violent during the relationship. Arlene faced constant domestic abuse from her husband and wanted away from him. A criminologist that looked at the case, Jane Monactown smith actually described Nat as being manipulative. But despite all of this sort of circumstantial evidence, Nat had an alibi. He was seen multiple times throughout the day delivering fruit and veg out of town, accompanied by a van delivery boy. This van was also seen on CCTV footage at many different locations, further proving that he wasn't anywhere near the crime scene. He also made many calls throughout the day, so his phone could be tracked to different, location, uh, different locations like miles away from the Fraser house. So mm. he's got like a pretty rock solid outline. Yeah, album. he could
1: have just had a friend to do it.
0: That is possible, but then he's not done it.
1: He could have communicated with the kids. the kids
0: were at school five and ten
1: you don't know though. you never
0: know i suppose but regardless of a strong alibi and their lack of evidence against him police decided to keep a close eye on Nat throughout the investigation he was staying with a friend due to the abuse he caused to arlene when he was called and informed of arlene's disappearance he was also seen checking at nearby hospitals and and appeared extremely distressed at the lack of his wife <laughs> I wanted that a bit weird. Wife. I worded that a bit weird, yeah. <laughs> Didn't think of that there. But <laughs> after a few days of this, Nat slowly seemed to care less and less. He stopped contacting police for updates and coming to the police station for interviews, and now has to be contacted to be brought in. He is found to be making jokes to people in pubs about Arlene's disappearance and is quoted saying, The kids will get used to her being gone, clearly referencing his missing wife. Around this time, different news stories began to surface, accusing Arlene Fraser of many different things. One paper accused her of being on drugs, while another suggested that she was cheating on her husband and left her kids behind purposefully. People who knew Arlene immediately denied anything about this. They knew Arlene and they knew that this was not the type of person she was. She'd never do anything of that. What are you thinking about that?
1: I don't know, maybe she wasn't as good as she is presented to be.
0: Perhaps. Well, police decided to further investigate these stories and these claims and they were all proved to be false. Oh. (laughs) So... A strand of Arlene's hair was tested and came back negative for any sort of drug being in her system. They also investigated any secret relationships she may have had, but these also ended up being false leads. While investigating these leads, the police discovered that the person behind these stories was none other than... Nat. Yep, Nat Fraser. He decided to argue his side by saying that he believed Arlene had run away and even referred to it as a betrayal. He accused her of abandoning their kids and taking his money that he had left behind in their shared house to escape to Spain. Bro. Don't I don't really know where he's got Spain from, but he was very confident that she went to Spain.
1: That's where everyone goes missing. I don't know. I feel like he's a bit sus, isn't he?
0: I guess it depends how you look at this case. I, he's I a bit think of a
1: suspicious so. character. Yeah. Even if he's not the guy who did it, I don't know why you'd be saying these things. But you're now missing wife.
0: Unless he's just like salty that she's left him, or it's like she's he feels like she's gone. Mm. So he's like, he assumes but he, that she's but they're broken more. up anyway. They're not. She wanted a divorce, but he didn't want one. He wanted to stay with her right. and control her, cause he's very controlling and manipulative. Okay. But eighteen months passed with little to no new information to go off of, and it was now October of 1999. Detectives stated that they now believe Arlene was dead, not missing. They came to these conclusions for a few different reasons, including that there had been absolutely no activity on her bank account, there'd been zero can- contact with any of her family or friends, and her medication and contact subscriptions that I talked about earlier had not been collected. Something that she would absolutely need if she was planning on running away and staying away for long periods of time. With all this taken into account, police concluded that Feral Play must be involved. So they believed that she'd either been kidnapped or taken or killed at this point. However, Nat still firmly believed that, and this is a quote from him, she's gone to Spain which detectives believe is highly unlikely due to all the reasons stated just there.
1: Surely they would have like caught her getting on a plane or had some like record yeah, of her of getting on a plane to Spain. Mm-hmm. So then the only way for her to get to Spain would to be like via a boat.
0: I guess. I don't know. But I mentioned medication a couple of times, I'm not entirely sure what medication is, but it was needed to be taken every single day or she would be like struggling. Yeah. So, so why is she and She contacts. wouldn't just leave that. Contact. She could get glasses I suppose because she had a, re- a repeat subscription, what's the point of paying for that? Yeah. If you're just going to use glasses. Anyway, police had a few private suspects of their own throughout this case, but one name continuously popped up. Nat. Yep, Nat Fraser again. It's extremely common in cases like this that the husband, wife or partner ended up being behind it. Nat was actually accused of the attack on Arlene that had happened five weeks before her disappearance. Which which they originally believe was an was an unsuccessful attack against Arlene by the same person who had taken her the second time. So both of their theories were coming together right now that it could be the man and it could the man that attacked her and it could be Nat. they were the same person.
1: Ah, oh, but she didn't. But I, would she not recognize him?
0: She didn't see him. Right, like he attacked her from behind.
1: That's not very. I don't know. <laughs> so he couldn't. He was just attacking this poor woman and she didn't even get to see him. He did it from yeah. behind. That kind of. Yeah. Was she? How old was she? in? 33.
0: Oh. I think he was just older than her as well. Weird. Yeah, it's weird that... I don't know if this attack, what he planned to like kill her or kidnap her. it It's just stated in a lot of records that it was an attack, so I'm not sure if he was trying to kill her or like take her money or something, but I don't know why he would do that. Yeah. But police believed that Nat was the person who would gain the most from Arlene's disappearance. In other words, he had the most motivation to see her gone. Firstly, he was still waiting his criminal trial for attempted murder against his wife and if she was gone, she wouldn't be able to give evidence against him and so he would be free because no one could accuse him of anything anymore. Allian actually wanted a six-figure divorce settlement from that, which gives a monetary motivation to see her gone. He would also gain full control of their two kids if their mother wasn't there to look after them anymore and like I've said, he's a very controlling man, so he'd probably like this.
1: It's too easy though, isn't it? You think? Like... I mean, it does make sense. Like, it would make sense for it to be him, but surely it wouldn't remain unsolved for 14 years if it was just, like, all these... Because there's
0: no evidence against him at this point. It's all purely, like, just, like, circumstantial. Yeah, I guess
1: they could just find it, like, buried in the backyard or something, but...
0: I guess. she would notice though, if the garden was dug up.
1: Yeah, I just think, like, this is a bit... I don't know. Maybe it is him, but mm. it's very, like... It would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Too much sense. <laughs>
0: People in Elgin originally really backed up Nat, they knew him and he was the nice man who delivered fruit and veg to their door, there's no way they would do anything to harm his own wife. However, now that people had a full year and a half to reflect on this case, it made people change their minds. They expected Arlene to return for her kids at some point and it was seemingly less and less likely that that was going to happen. So why wouldn't she be returning unless she physically couldn't return? But if you remember, Nat actually had an alibi for the full day, multiple alibis actually, how could he have had the time to deliver bananas, kidnap or even kill his wife and then continue to go door to door without even being seen at his home at all?
1: Because he had an associate. You think? Yeah.
0: Well, actually, <laughs> police dis- uh, police received their biggest lead yet at this point. A key piece of evidence was uncovered. A mechanic came forward to say that he'd sold a Ford Fiesta to one of Nat's close friends on April 27th, the night before Arlene went missing. The car was paid for in cash and it seemed to be a very hush-hush transaction. Fraser's friend, who turned out to be a farmer named Hector Dick, didn't want anyone knowing he had bought this car. But this brand new car was coincidentally disposed of the day after Arlene went missing. The car seemed to be a link. Could it have possibly been the vehicle that had enticed Arlene out of her house that day? So it is very suspicious that Nat, one of Nat's like, best friends, Bought a car the day before she went missing, Brand new, and then
1: with cash,
0: got rid of it the day after mm, she went missing. Very sus. Very sus.
1: Mm, I think there might be a link there.
0: Maybe, but around this same time, new crime scene evidence was actually uncovered. Arlene's wedding rings were missing and then suddenly reappeared. A video sweep was taken of the crime scene before they moved anything, so they could relook at the scene later in the case. This video shows no signs of the rings, but just a few days later, a family member found them in the bathroom despite not being on the video. Police immediately had a suspect for this, Nat Fraser. Hmm. (laughs) He actually had free access to the family home at this point and could have easily placed him in the bathroom after the police had packed up and left. If Arlene had really run away, why didn't she take these rings and sell them for some extra money? It made no sense at all to the detectives.
1: Especially because she didn't even want to, she wanted a divorce, yeah. so like the rings don't mean anything to her anyway.
0: But if Nat really did have these rings, why would he put them back and possibly incriminate himself? Police believed that it was because of Nat's greed. If the rings were found in the house, he could legally take them into his own possession and have both of their their monetary and sentimental value for themselves. So he'd be able to sell them, if he wanted, and get that money for his own. Or he'd be able to, like, give them to his kids if he was, like, the best father because he's given them a ring for their future marriages.
1: Hmm, hmm.
0: More information came out that seemed to further disprove Nat's theory of Arlene running off to Spain with a stash of his money. One of Arlene's friends came out to say that she had requested to borrow some money just a few days before she went missing. Why would Arlene borrow money from a friend instead of just using the huge amount of money that Nat had allegedly left in the house, unless she had no idea it was there at all? People who knew Arlene are also positive that she would have paid that friend back before she left, which which didn't happen. The friend lost this money. So, once again, the police returned to their main suspect, Nat Fraser. He was currently facing two years in prison for his assault against Arlene, so the police were able to keep a close eye on him. They also decided that two other men may may be involved in her disappearance, Hector Dick, the man who'd bought the car, mm-hmm. and Glenn Lucas, a man who frequently visited Nat during his time in prison. This Glenn Lucas is a new name, but he's just a man that continually visited Nat, and would. he was sort of the main person that was always there. So he'd be there again and again and again and police were immediately suspicious of why he was always there.
1: Yeah, I don't know. The car thing's a bit sus. Very disposed, sus. Instantly bought and disposed of in mm-hmm. within like two days. A day.
0: <laughs> These meetings between Fraser and Lucas were recorded, unbeknownst to the two of them. However, there was absolutely no audio being recorded, just video. Because of this, the police decided to enlist the help of a lip-reading expert who prefers to stay anonymous in this case. She says that Nat Fraser tended to do the most talking in these meetings. She said that she believed at one point, Nat says, if the bones are smaller than that, they cannot be identified by DNA, while holding up his hand to show the size he was referring to with his fingers. He also mimes sawing his wrist while talking about bones. Lucas was allegedly spotted saying, yep, good idea. Police don't suspect you at all. And that he hoped Nat would get away with it. This conversation seemed to confirm to the police that Nat knew a lot more than he was letting on.
1: Okay, so why could they record the video and not the audio?
0: I don't know. I feel like they just didn't have the money at this point. It's just the late 90s, so I don't think they had the best quality recording stuff at the moment.
1: Surely, like, a shitty audio, though, would be better than, like, a no-sound video.
0: Probably. I don't know the, the exact reason why they didn't have audio, but at least they got someone in to look at it.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
0: Nat allegedly then went on to talk more about his alibis and mentioned that he made sure that everyone he delivered to saw him specifically, making sure they would confirm his whereabouts to the police at different times throughout the day. Ah,
1: so he was a bit yeah, too he was a bit, bit too, too good.
0: perfect. He was like like his alibis really said like he couldn't have been there. Why mm. was he so sure like that specific day he needed to be seen unless he knew something was gonna happen elsewhere that he could get the blame for? The the two men also went on to talk about Hecky, as well as a car and a phone. Hecky was obviously believed to be Hector Dick, who bought a car. The two also went on to mention a third party that either offered or agreed to help out and hurt Arlene for a price. The police immediately suspected the use of a hitman due to this part of the conversation. Hitman? So, Nat isn't at home, but this man is. Or this hitman, it could be a woman, who knows. So, he's, like, solidified his alibi and had someone else come and do it. What do you feel about that sort of theory at the moment?
1: I feel good. I feel like this guy, like, his alibi is a bit too perfect. Like, he has these, like, shady people surrounding him,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you know. Yeah, I think it's very possible that that he's done it now, to be honest.
0: So, in 2002... All three men were arrested and charged. Hector, Dick and Glenn Lucas were both charged with being accomplices to conspiracy to murder, while Nat Fraser was charged with the abduction and the murder of Arlene Fraser. However, there was no hard information or evidence against the men. It was all pretty much substantial at this point. And due to the notoriety of this case in Elgin, it was quickly moved to take place in Dingwall, 40 miles away, in hopes of getting an unbiased jury. The case against the men was dangerously thin at this point and the prosecution was starting to worry that the case might fall through when one of Nat's friends turned against him. Ooh. One of the...
1: Is that to escape a sentence, do you think?
0: Possibly. What are you feeling? I know what the answer is, but I want to hear your thoughts.
1: I think one of the two accomplices might just turn mm. and just be like, yo, this was probably maybe not right or maybe Nat, like, fucked him over. Maybe he Possibly. was like, yo, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Or maybe he didn't get the payment that was promised so he's like yo well
0: the hitman we don't know who the hitman is Mm. we just know that these three men were definitely involved at this point okay so hector dick turned on nat fraser and made a huge revelation to the case nat fraser did in fact hire hitman so this is when it was confirmed it was only suspected before but this was like this was the moment where they were like yep okay he definitely did that He said that Arlene was abducted, killed, dismembered, burned, and then the body was disposed of. Glenn Lucas's charges were dropped due to his lack of involvement in the murder at all, and Hector Dick's charges were also dropped because of the vital information he provided against Nat Fraser. So it turned out that Glenn Lucas had nothing to do, he just knew that Nat did it, so I don't know why he wasn't charged with preventing the course of justice or anything like that.
1: Hmm... But
0: all charges were dropped against both of those two.
1: Who was the guy that bought a car and then just sold it again? Hector Dick. So why did he do that?
0: To help Nat. Like, Nat asked him to do that. He didn't know why at the time, I don't think. But
1: it was to make him look sus. He bought the car and sold it to make... hit.
0: No, no, no. Hector bought the car because Nat asked him to, and then he gave it to Nat, who gave it to the hitman, to take Arlene. Oh, right, okay. That's why the car was destroyed, because it probably had a lot of her DNA in it. Yeah, 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 okay. I'm assuming that's what the story is. There wasn't a whole lot of information on that part. I'm assuming it's not public knowledge.
1: Why would you also buy a new car?
0: I don't think it was new. I think it was just a car that they bought and it was new to them, but it wasn't like a brand new car. Mm. Okay. Anyway, Carol Gillies, uh, Arlene's sister, was called to be a witness at the high court and stated that she found it very scary giving her own accounts and was very nervous for the outcome of the whole time. And at the end of the case, Nat Fraser was actually found guilty of the abduction and murder of his wife, Arlene Fraser. The judge stated that it was evil, planned and brutal, and that he had no care for anyone, not even his own children, who had to suffer through this. But that's not the end of this brutal case. In 2006, a piece of evidence about the wedding rings found in the bathroom was technically questioned. The defence questioned the integrity of the rings being handled. This was described as devastating to the case, and Nat Fraser was released on account of this.
1: No. Yeah.
0: He returned to Elgin and completely regained his his life. He went back to being the friendly fruit and veg man. Like, people were just fine with him delivering fruit now. So, he's free. (laughs) But that's not the end. The evidence was quickly reconsidered to be taken back to court as soon as possible. A second trial was opened after the prosecution reconsidered this evidence. This was the first time in Scotland that a case has been reopened for the same crime after the quashing of evidence, so double jeopardy. Mm -hmm. Um... Or lack of double jeopardy, I suppose. Uh, so, in May 2012, Nat Fraser returned to court for the same murder. He was found guilty for a second time and was sentenced for a minimum of 17 years.
1: That's, that's fucked up, though. Yeah. He got a minimum 17-year sentence for like hiring a hitman and yeah. be- like, killing his wife.
0: Yeah. It's, it's that's, rough. That's, yeah. So, Arlene Fraser died 14 years before this. It took 14 years for her to get her justice. And on a sad note, her body's still never been recovered. Hector Dick broke his silence on the case in 2018, saying, Nat is the only man I know who knows all about what happened. That's for sure. I believe he's the only person who knows where Arlene is. Which kind of doubts the theory about a hitman. Unless Hector doesn't know who that hitman is, which is another reason he might have been like taken off. He might have been. His charges would be dropped, sorry. Mm. So, that's the case. How do you feel about that? Kind of bad. Really, it is a bit. It's very sad. I'd say. Yeah, it's
1: really sad, and also I don't know. It seems like um, it it just seems like a case that's particularly like the victim didn't really do anything.
0: Yeah, she seemed like such a sweet woman. Like everyone around her loved her, and she was taking really good care of her kids. And I don't. She just seemed so lovely, and her life was just cut dramatically short for little to no reason. Yeah. That's a bit of a sad note to end the podcast on today, but obviously it's a true kind podcast, it's not gonna be exactly happy in any of these cases. Um, you never know, maybe one day we'll be like, Yes, they finally got the guy that did it, it'll be fantastic. But this one was a bit sad because it took fourteen years for them to find this guy and even then it could be getting out relatively soon. So Yeah, not great. Thanks for joining us
1: today. Do you have anything to say? Uh no. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on the Crime Minister's podcast. We'll hope to catch you next episode, as the next episode is another spicy case.
0: Yeah, I feel like you'll really enjoy the next one. It's about an Irish student who was studying in Glasgow and disappeared yet again. So get excited for that one. We'll see you next time.
1: Bye! Bye!
0: Thank you so much to Ben Sound who provided the music we used in this podcast today.